Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. Today, in honor of Shabbos, we will discuss some sukkim in this week's parsha, Parshas Nosai. One of the classic questions about Parshas Nosai is regarding the korbanos of the Nesim, the leaders of each tribe brought a series of korbanos. They first of all they brought. First of all, they brought some agolos, they brought some wagons and some oxen to be used to carry the parts of the Mishkan from place to place as the people traveled through the Midbar. And then they brought a series of, each, each Nasi brought a set of korbanos, including both uh, kalim, silver and gold instruments for use in the, in the Mishkan and also animal korbanos, and also katiris, incense, and also flour for grain offering. And as we know, the offering of each nasi is detailed in the Torah over and over and over again, 12 times. Very burdensome if you happen to be the balkare, and it can get a little tedious if you're sitting listening and you're a little bit tired still. And of course, one of the classic questions on the parsha is why does the Torah repeat all of this information over and over? The Torah could have said, and each Nasi brought the following, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and every other Nasi brought the same. Would have just taken five or six psukim total. Let's take that question and kind of put it up on a shelf, save it for later. We will now discuss something a little more specific. We have a Pusik here, Pusik Zion, Perak uh, Zion, Pusik Base, which is kind of an introduction to all of these offerings that were brought by the Nesim. The Pusik says, By Akrivu Nesiyah Yisrael, Roshay Base Avaisam, the princes or the, the presidents of Yisrael, who were the heads of the houses of their fathers. In other words, these were the leaders of each Shevet. They were Makriv, they brought close. They brought as an offering, and now the Pasuk continues to identify them. It would have seemed to be enough to call them Nisiyah Yisrael, Roshay Beisavaisam, but now before the, the Pasuk comes to tell us what they brought, it continues to identify who exactly these Nisiyah were. And it says, Heim Nisiyah Hamatois, these are the princes or leaders of the Matos, of the Shvatim, the tribes, Heim Ho'imdim, Al Hapikudim, and these are the these are those who stood upon the counting. So we have two extra appellations, two extra identifying phrases to identify who these people are. They are the leaders of the tribes. They are those who stood by the counting. So let's begin with the commentary of the Sforno, Rabbi Avadia Sforno, who takes note of these two separate identifying marks. 
and explains them in a very interesting way. He says, So he explains, we'll read the words in a moment, but the Sforno understands that these two phrases are kind of like the qualifications of these people for bringing this korban. They are, these two phrases express the qualifications and the, and the reason behind why they brought these korbanis. So the Sforno says, because they were thus, because they were what they were, because they were the Nesiyah Hamatais, and they were Ha'imdim Alapakudim, so Hikriv Kol Echad Mehemba Ad Va'anoshov. So each one brought a korban for his Shevet and his people. Because they had stood by the counting, meaning because they had assisted Moshe Rabbeinu in counting all the people of Klai as is uh, as is set out in the beginning of Parshas Bamidbar, because these were the people who uh, participated in that counting. So here, Gish Kol Echad Mehem So each one felt, each one noticed about his Shevet, Shaksasei Chashud Ba'averos, that at least some of them were suspect of doing Averos. In other words, each one had counted every member of his Shevet. He had met every member of his Shevet. He had seen the face of every person in his shevet, and he understood that uh, some of them may not be 100% sadikim. Different people have different tendencies towards different kinds of discretions, different kinds of infractions. So they knew the weaknesses of their people. And then he says, because they were nesim, because they were the leaders, they agreed to stand up in the breach. They agreed to try to solve the problem. And to bring korbanos in order to atone for them. So the qualifications for these people were that they knew the faults of their people and they were leaders and they attempted to do something about it to effect atonement for them. The Sforno later on, a few psukim later, um, continues with this on this line of thought. Later, the Svarno actually addresses the question that we opened with. Why does the Torah go through so much repetition? Why does the Torah say that uh, the, the Nasi of Shevet Yisachar brought Korban ABCDFG, and the, the Nasi of Korban of uh, Shevet Ruben brought ABCDFG? Why is there so much repetition? So the, the Svarno, a little bit later, addresses the question. He says, um, he says, The Torah tells us the korban of each nasi by himself in complete detail. To show us, to tell us. Each one of them, Each one of them intended to atone for the particular sins that he knew about his shevet. In other words, the Nasi of Shevet uh, Reuven, for example, he knew that within his Shevet there were certain people who were had a tendency towards Avera XYZ. So when he brought his Korbanis, he was thinking about those sins. When the Nasi of Shevet uh, Zvulun brought his Korbanis, he knew that in his Shevet there wasn't such a tendency towards Avera XYZ, but there was a tendency towards Avera ABC. So when he brought his korbanas, he was thinking of gaining atonement for the Averas ABC. 
So this is a very interesting approach of the Svarno, that these korbanos were brought for kapara. They were brought to bring atonement, and each nasi wanted to atone for the particular sins that he thought were prevalent or might become a problem amongst his shevet, and that's why the Torah repeats all of them in so much detail. However, let's go to Rashi. Here's the Pasuk again, and let's see how Rashi understands these two identifying marks of Haim Nesiei Hamatois. These are the princes of the Shvatim. Haim Ho'imdim Al HaPekudim. These are the ones who stood by the counting. And here, Rashi says a very, says a, gives a comment which most of the other Mephoshim do not say. It's based on a Medrash. Most of the other Pshat commentaries don't mention this Midrash, but Rashi understood it to be the Pshat. He says, These are those Nesiyim that we know already. The Pasuk seems to be saying, there's someone that, that we already recognize. So who are they? These are the Shaitrim, these are the police officers, quote unquote, who stood above the people in Egypt. And they were beaten on the, on, in the place of Klayisro. The Egyptians had a very clever method of keeping the, their Hebrew slaves under control. They appointed Jewish slave masters, and then they put those people in the crunch. On the one hand, they might want to be nice to their brethren. On the other hand, they're going to get beaten up by the Egyptians. These were those people. These were the Shaitrim who had the very unenviable job of trying to, trying to regulate the, the work of the Jewish slaves and trying to push them to meet Paro's demands. And in fact, we find that at a certain point in the narrative, when they could not work fast enough and produce enough work, Mukim Alehem, the Shaitrim, were beaten up instead of the actual workers. Shinemar, as it says in the Pasik, by Yuku Shaitre Bene Yisrael. They were they were stricken. The Shaitre Bene Yisrael, the police officers of Bene Yisrael, were beaten because their the people that they were in charge of could not produce the work quickly enough. So that's what it means, Haim Nisie Hamatois, and Haim Haimdim Al Hapakudim. These are the ones who stood by the counting. So here he says, similar to what we said before, and these are the people who stood together with Moshe and Aaron, when they counted Klal Yisrael, together with you will be, and it lists the names. So Rashi is saying that these people had two qualifications. One, they are the ones who had been beaten up in Mitzrayim because they didn't push the Bnei Yisrael enough. And two, these are the people who counted Klal Yisrael. Now, I think, I believe according to Rashi, now you'll notice Rashi does not mention anything about sin. He doesn't mention anything about the Nesim wanting to bring atonement upon their people. That does not seem to be the, be the point. So then what exactly is the point? Why are these two the qualifications? Why are these two uh, facts mentioned in, as an introductory, as an introduction to the Korbanais that the Nesim brought? And I think, I believe the answer is 
that what the Pasuk is telling us here are the requirements, the qualifications for being a true leader. And what we're learning here from this Rashi is that there are two major qualifications for being a good leader. Qualification one, you have to be someone who understands the suffering and the challenges of the people that you are leading. You have to know what their difficulties are. You have to feel it. And that's, that was accomplished because these Nisim were the people who witnessed the suffering that their people went through in Mitzrayim. And a matter of fact, they actually physically suffered some of the same sufferings. So that's qualification one. You have to know the challenges and the difficulties that those who are being led are going through. Number two, you have to be now, if we think back to the first Rashi in Parashas Bamidbar, where Rashi explains why B'nai Yisrael were counted, he says the B'nai Yisrael were counted many times, numerous times in the Chumash, and the reason was, this was to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love for the Shvatim. So these Nisiyim who participated in this counting, they really saw in a very real way, they experienced and they internalized that Kla Yisrael is very beloved to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that that must be because Kla Yisrael has a very great potential. So these are the two qualifications of leadership. On the one hand, you have to understand the struggles of those you are leading, but on the other hand, you must understand their great potential. You must, and you must understand how important they are. It's not enough just to say, oh, I feel sorry for them. They have so many problems. Well, let them be. That's, that's not real leadership. Real leadership is that, is that feeling of sympathy and empathy combined with a push to go farther, to always go farther, to always grow greater, because the leader understands the real greatness of those whom he is leading. Now, if this is the uh, introduction to the Korbanas of the Nesiyim, and Rashi does not mention anything about Kapara, so when we think about why the Korbanas of the Nesiyim are repeated over and over in great detail by the Torah, so according to Rashi, I don't think we can say that he agreed to the Swarno, that each Nasi intended to bring out Kapara for a different sin. That, that doesn't seem to be anywhere in Rashi, nor do I think that Rashi would hold like a, like a certain Midrash that is quoted and discussed by Ranban. Ranban discusses a Midrash which says that each Nasi had a different Kavana in bringing his Korbanas. There are symbolic meanings to why there's so and so many silver plates were brought and why and so many, so many oxen were brought and why did the uh, why did the container that held the Keturus, why was it worth so and so much of its weight in gold, and so on and so forth? All of this is symbolically explained. As a matter of fact, Rashi gives many beautiful symbolic uh, explanations when he comes to the Korban of, uh, of the Shevet Yisachar. The Ramban says that each Nasi had a different Kavana based on the the nature of his shevet and based on certain uh, future events that might occur within his shevet, perhaps based in part on the personality of the nasi. However, Rashi doesn't say this. 
Rashi gives symbolic meanings to these kabbanis, but he gives them once and he gives them only in one way. But I think that according to Rashi, the reason why all of these kabbanis of the Nasim are repeated is because the inspiration for these gifts was in part the appreciation of each Jew's Habibus Livneamakam. What inspired these Nasim to bring these korbanos in part was Hema Imdim Al Hapikudim, because they had stood by, they had participated in counting them, and they had been shown thereby, and they 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 experienced thereby the love that a Baruch had for each and every one of them. And therefore, we can say that Rashi agrees to a, a different midrash that the Ramban also discusses, that the reason each, each, each Nasi's korban is listed in detail separately is because it wouldn't, because each one is so important. It wouldn't be fair just to say that the first Nasi brought A, B, C, D, F, G, and then to say, and everyone else brought the same. That's not Chavivos Lifnei Amokim. And part of the whole inspiration for these Kabbalists was that these Nesim understood the Chavivos Lifnei Amokim, the belovedness in front of Hashem that each Shevet possesses. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.